0: Amen. What a promise that is that standing in his love there's no fear. Because we are filled with the Holy Spirit. We have the power of Holy Spirit within us as we stand in His love. We're in a series we began last week entitled A Requirement, Not a Request. And last week we looked at evangelism. And this week I want us to look at tithing. I know most of you have already just tried to go ahead and shut your Bible and block it out. But let me just tell you that tithing is in God's Word. God's Word has a lot to say about tithing. And as a pastor, I have the responsibility and the privilege of preaching the whole Word of God. And that comes up as a subject in God's Word. And I believe that uh, God wanted me to put that in this series as he's laid these different parts on my heart. And I tell you today, I'm standing here in his love. Amen? Because oftentimes, the preacher's the one that gets the tomatoes thrown at him when he brings this up. But I believe that when we look at it. It's not just a thing that we have to do, but there's such a rich blessing that comes from being obedient to God and to God's Word. If you would take your Bibles this morning and open them to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and I'll be beginning in just a moment in verse 6, but as you're turning there and I was researching this and I was looking, you can find at least 50 references to tithing or the tithe or the tenth throughout God's Word. And believe it or not, as early as the book of Genesis, chapter 14, all the way through to about Hebrews, chapter 7. So it's in the Old Testament, it's in the New Testament, and I want us to look at that and understand, what is it? Why does God say things about, it? you know, God gives us guidelines, God gives us directions because he loves us, and he wants us to benefit from his rich blessing. And this morning, let's take a look at what it is that God's wanting to do in our life. If you would stand with me as we read God's word from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning in verse 6. Now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, So that always, having all sufficiency in everything, you shall have an abundance for every good deed. As it is written, who scattered abroad he gave to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness." You will be enriched in everything for a liberality which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. For this ministry of this service is not only fully supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing through many thanksgivings to God. Because of the proof given to this ministry, they will glorify God for your obedience to your confession of the gospel of Christ and for the liberality of your contribution to them and to all, while they also, by prayer, on your behalf, yearn for you because of the surpassing grace of God in you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Father God, Lord, would you just be with us today? Father, would you open our hearts, have them be softened so that Holy Spirit may speak. Father, may you open our ears to hear the wonderful blessings, Lord, that you have in store for us. And Father, how you ask of us to just give a small portion back. Father, speak to us today. Father, speak through me. Lord God, I just pray everything in the precious, most holy name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. As we begin to look at this, the first thing I want us to look at is the tithe. That's, uh, for most people, not a difficult subject. A tithe is a tenth, or we would say ten percent. God only asks for a little bit back when we look at it in this aspect, that if God gave you, or if a friend gave you one dollar, and he said, the only thing I'm going to ask for giving you this $1 is that you give me $0.10. Cents. Doesn't sound too bad, does it? Or maybe if someone come up and said, I'm going to give you $1,000 guaranteed if you will give me $100. How many of you would give him probably $100 to get the 1000 There's a lot more in that 900 And that's what God is looking at. And I want us to take a look at where God began to institute this when he was with Moses and he was giving the law so that we understand where we're going to go. Let's look at Leviticus chapter 27. Leviticus chapter 27 and verse 30. Thus all the tithe of the land, of the seed of the land, and of the fruit of the tree is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. If therefore a man wishes to redeem part of his tithe, he shall add to it one-fifth of it for every tenth part of the herd or flock, whatever passes under the rod, the tenth one shall be holy to the Lord. He is not to be concerned whether it is good or bad, nor shall he exchange it. Or if he does exchange it, then both it and its substitute shall become holy. It shall be redeemed. He's saying the fruit and the cattle, everything that we have. Because see, that's really what the principle comes down to, I believe, more than the tithe. Is understanding that everything we have is a gift from God. Everything we have belongs to God. God. I remember taking a class uh, just getting into seminary. Uh, They offered a class and they enticed it. it. said if you take this class, we'll meet once a week online for an hour for 10 weeks. And if you do it, we're going to give you $100. I said, sign me up. I'm ready to take this class. But one thing that I learned in there was that principle of learning that everything belonged to God. And when that happens, how that changes. This one man remembered getting a car. He said he was driving down the road and someone hit his car. He said, normally, I'd have been upset. But he said he had just learned the principle and he said, this is the Lord's car. And he was upset that the car had been hit, but not to the point that he'd become irate at what happened to his thing. Understanding that the Lord gives, the Lord blesses, the Lord supplies and we see in Scripture, and we read earlier, that the Lord multiplies and He gives back and He just asks for a portion. In in Leviticus, we see where He's giving that command to the Israelite nation to give a tenth of everything that you have, whether it's cattle that you've grazed out or if it's produce that you've grown. That was their money back then. But He didn't leave it there. He was very specific to where did the tithe go. Who does it belong to? Let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 12. Deuteronomy chapter 12. I want us to look at two sets of verses. Uh, Beginning in verse 5 it says, But you shall seek the Lord at the place which the Lord your God will choose from all your tribes to establish his name there for his dwelling, and there you shall come. There you shall bring your burnt offering, your sacrifices, your tithes, the contributions of your hands, your voting offering, your votive offerings, your free will offerings, and the firstborn of your herd and of your flock. There also you and your household shall eat before the Lord your God and rejoice in all your undertakings which the Lord your God has blessed you. And then skip down to verse 11. Then it shall come about that the place in which the Lord your God will choose for his name to dwell, there you shall bring all that I command you, your burnt offerings and your sacrifices, your tithes, your contributions of your hands and of your voice, choice voters offering which you will vow to the Lord, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God, you and your sons and daughters, your male and female servants and the Levites, who is within your gates, since he has no portion Where do we know to be the place that the Lord set aside for his name to dwell, but at that time was the tabernacle? Today it would be the church. Whatever church you're a member of, wherever you are being fed, that is where your tithe is supposed to go. A tenth of all of your income. Now there is more than just a tithe. You often hear, how many of y'all have been around, probably most of you, the old envelopes you used to have and you'd fill it out, I brought my Bible to church. I visited two people this week. I read my, but there was always a section on there that said what? Tithes and offerings. Well, well what is that? A tithe is what God requires. It's the first 10%. An offering is anything above and beyond that. Some people the Lord places on their heart that they give more than a tenth. Or many of us at times support other organizations. There is a, a revival team that comes in. That becomes an offering. That's something above and beyond your 10%. Maybe a A TV evangelist that's spreading the gospel and you want to give, that's an offering that goes above your tithe. The church is where your tithe comes from. An offering is anything above that. It can go to the church. It can go to other things. I have known some people, not here, but I've known some that take their money and they say, you know, I I give a little bit to my church, but there's this group over here that's really working and I send my tithe over there. I believe looking in Scripture that that's unscriptural. That would be an offering. You're to bring, God says to bring your tithe into, we read in other parts of Scripture, bring your tithe into the storehouse. Now, I understand that in the Old Testament, those were laws given under the Old Covenant to the Israelite people. I've had people tell me this before. Go and look in the New Testament, Pastor. We're not commanded in the New Testament. To give a tithe. Did you know that? You can look and you won't find that he says to give a tithe. Now we hear about it. Let's take a look at um, Luke 18. The Pharisee and the Republican was in there praying. And we get God, uh, Jesus, telling the story at Luke 18, 12. And this Pharisee says, I fast twice a week. I pay tithe to all that I get. We hear it mentioned, but do we see it commanded? Let's turn over to 1 Corinthians 16. And I'm sorry, I jumped out of order on those slides for you. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 1. Now concerning the collection for the saints... As I directed the church of Galatia, so do you also. On the first day of the week, each one of you is to put aside and save, as he may prosper, so that no collection may be made when I come. When I arrive, whomever you may approve, I will send them with letters to carry your gifts to Jerusalem. It's how ministry works. Why does God want a tithe? Why does God want a peace? It's how the church operates. It's how the church, when it began, even after Jesus was here and resurrected, we see here they would collect money and they would send it to the other church or whatever church was in need. They would come together and they would help. Is it really important to pay a tithe to a church? Well, is it important to you to come in here and have lights this morning? How many of you like the air conditioning? This church, this ministry operates off of the members' tithes and offerings. These slides that we have, a program to operate that, the license to be able to use these things, the music that we hear, all of this cost stuff. And as much as I wish I did, my checkbook's not that big. I can't pay it all. That's why God brings a church, a living organism together. That's why God doesn't say, let me have a couple in the church and you pay 50%. No, everybody pays the same amount. While that number might be different. That's where it gets a little hard and it gets a little tricky. I think the uh, brother Sam that was here touched on this back in, in his revival. You know, the Lord blesses and the Lord provides for me. And he gives me, a, we'll just say, a $1,000 a month to live on. And I can easily write him that $100 check. But if he chooses to give me $100,000 to live on, that line's not quite that long on that check to write. And it becomes hard. If we're honest, I mean, let's just be honest with you. Because that's a lot more money. But how much more is he blessing you with? How much more do you have? How much more? You see, some people don't want to tithe, some do. You give, what's the scripture tell us? He who is faithful with the little... He gives more. We see that with the, the ten talents and the, the five talents. The one talent is he gave and then he gave back. God blesses. I believe God tests us and he gives us some and then he asks for more from us. But you know when we look in the New Testament, the reason I believe that we don't see the specific command for giving a ten percent. Because everything Jesus carried over, he said, I'm not doing away with it. And it was a practice. But let's look at this. Go Turn to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, verse 27. Once again, Jesus is speaking, but listen to this. And you're going to think a little bit weird at first, but just follow me through. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And he uses other things like this. When Jesus came, I think he kind of strengthened it. You know, the the law tells you you must do this. The law says it's wrong to have an adulterous affair with a woman. But Jesus says it's a matter of the heart If you even look at the woman with lust, you've already committed adultery. So whereas we have the command for the 10%, I believe in New Testament we we see Jesus increasing what we are to do. But we understand the principle is not as much of the fact of the money, but an attitude of the heart. Are we thankful God blesses us with that? Let me mention to you one other thing. When we look at tithes and givings, some things that sometimes might be overlooked is called the first fruit. Have you ever heard of first fruits? Let's go back into the Old Testament and look in Exodus 23 so that we can get a picture of this. Exodus 23 verse 16. Also you shall observe the feast of the harvest of the first fruits of your labors from what you sow in the field. Also the feast of the end gathering at the end of the year when you gather in the fruit of your labors from the field. Three times a year all your males shall appear before the Lord God. You shall not offer the blood of my sacrifice with leavened bread, nor is the fat of my feast to remain overnight until morning. You shall bring the choice first fruits of your soul into the house of the Lord forever. So he's commanding a first fruit. What is that? Let's turn to Deuteronomy 26. Because I want you all to hear God's words, not mine. Deuteronomy 26, beginning in verse 1. Then it shall be when you enter the land which the Lord your God gives you as an inheritance and you possess it and live in it, then you shall take some of the first of all the produce of the ground which you bring in from your land that the Lord your God gives you. And you shall put it in a basket and go to the place where the Lord your God chooses to establish his name. You shall go to the priest who is in office at the time and say to him, I declare this day to the Lord my God that I have entered the land which the Lord swore to our fathers to give us. Then the priest shall take the basket from your hand and set it down before the altar of the Lord your God. You shall answer and say before the Lord your God, my father... Was a wandering Aramean, and he went down to Egypt and sojourned there, few in number, but there he became a great, mighty, and prosperous nation. And the Egyptians treated us harshly, and afflicted us, and imposed hard labor on us. Then we cried to the Lord, the God of our fathers, and the Lord heard our voice, and saw our affliction, and our toil, and our oppression. And the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm and a great terror and with signs and wonders. And he has brought us to this place and has given us the land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Now behold, I have brought the first of the produce of the ground, which you, O Lord, have given me. And you shall set it down before the Lord your God and worship before the Lord your God. What is he talking about here? But when they come out of Egypt, God said, I'm going to give you the promised Land." And God said, when you go into this promised Land, and you have that first harvest, an increase of what you didn't already have, bring the first harvest to him. What is he talking about? Let me just kind of give you an idea and then we'll talk about it a little bit. What would that look like for us today? Let's say that you are working for $8 an hour. You get paid every two weeks. And then you get a pay raise from $8 an hour to $9 an hour. You work a 40-hour work week. You're paid twice a week. You're used to being paid $8 an hour. The first fruit would be that first check you get after the pay raise you take that new dollar an hour for your 40 hours times two would be $80. $80 would be your first fruit. Now, I know what you're thinking. Been there. I've worked this. It's like, I don't have the $80 to give extra. Are you making more now than you were? You're not used to spending. And I, I, you know, I like how God does it. I'm glad he asked for the first fruit. Because, you know, once I'm used to pay that $9 an hour, if he said three months from now, give it, it becomes harder. He's only asking first fruit one time. If you get an increase, a change in something, the very first time, bring to him. How are these people going to live? We read in other parts of Scripture where they brought the whole produce of that first produce. God gave them that. God was going to supply for them. They had things that come with them, and because of that, it multiplied. God was pleased with them and he said that he was giving it to them and the harvest that they didn't work for. They went in and they received. How often does that happen to us that we're faithful with a little? God gives us a little more. He wants us to be faithful with even more and he calls for that increase. Proverbs chapter 3 is a great example of this. Proverbs chapter 3 verses 9 and 10 tell us this. Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce so your barns may be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Why so much talk about the tithe? Why spend a Sunday, a Sunday on tithe? I want you to be blessed. And, and I'll be the first one to tell you I'm not one of these prosperity preachers. I'm not here just to say, hey, give more money and God's going to multiply it at whatever percent. We, We see that, but in Scripture it tells us that God supplies and that we're to honor him and that he will fill our vats with plenty. The phrase we've heard before, when someone says, I can't tithe, you can't not tithe. We had testimony, if y'all remember uh, last year, I think, when we spoke about tithing, or maybe it was three years ago, those couple of years of COVID, I forget when it was, and Rhonda come up and she testified to how she felt led to begin tithing and tithing a little bit above her tithing and that the washer or the dryer went out, but yet God supplied for that. You know, oftentimes we don't see God's blessings because we're not looking. Most of us every day get up and we get in our automobiles and it starts up fine and we go down the road and we come home and everything goes good and we all have health. You know, God can keep things from happening to supply back into us. Imagine if every morning you woke up, the battery was dead once a week in your car and you had to buy a new battery. I'm not saying that's what happened. But God works. I promise you. We can test God with this. If you give out of a sincere heart, giving to God, out of a blessing and out of a thanksgiving. Did you notice when he was telling them over in Leviticus and Exodus that they came and they gave it. And they said, Lord, we're giving to you because we were in oppression. You multiplied our nation You came in, God, and you saved us. You brought us out of Egypt. You brought us to a land flowing with milk and honey. You provided a nation, a place to live that we didn't have to work for. You gave us this. It all belongs to him and giving back to him as we see how he works. God is miraculous. But he does give us a couple of instructions on this giving he tells us in Ezekiel that it should be of the first. Look at Ezekiel 44, verse 29. It says, Then shall we eat the grain offering, the sin offering, and the guilt offering, and every devoted thing in Israel shall be theirs. The first Of all their first fruits of every kind, of every contribution of every kind. From all your contributions shall be for the priest. You also give to the priest the first of your dough. To cause a blessing to the rest of your house. The first. Here again is where it comes a part of the heart. Here again is where faith comes in. Because... I would venture to say most of you are similar to me, that I can take my stack of bills that come in. Let's look, gas price is going up, isn't it? It costs more to put gas in. Costs more to pay bills, groceries. Everything's going up and we look at these bills and we think, all right, I have X number of dollars, God, that you've given me this month, and we go and we pay all of our bills and If there's something left at the end, we'll give God his tenth. That's no faith at all. My opinion, that's a coward and a weakling. Faith comes, it says, God, out of obedience to you, my love to you, my gratitude to you, I'm going to take the tenth first and I'm going to give it. And God, I'm going to count on you to supply the rest of my, what? My needs. He doesn't promise in Scripture that He'll supply all of my wants, but He does promise to supply all of my needs. If I am frivolous with the other 90%, then He can't bless that. But He can bless my 10%, and if I am obedient with the 90% that He allows me to be a steward of, he can bless that and he will supply. It says here even the first of the dough. Why? To cause a blessing on to the rest of your household. Why do we give the first 10% so that he can bless the other 90%? I'm glad it's not the other way around. Second Corinthians also gives us that we are to do it cheerfully. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Verse 7, each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now here we go. Each one must do just as he has purposed in your heart. It's a heart matter. What has Holy Spirit convicted you of that you are to give to the church? And he says to not do it grudgingly or under compulsion. Let me just mention this, church. If talking to you and and you know people, if you don't want to give, please don't give. If, if, you don't, if you do it grudgingly or because you're under compulsion, it's not going to do us any good. God blesses the cheerful giver. It's not going to do you any good. God can't bless that. Trust me, God can operate God's church. But he has chosen, just like in sharing our testimony, he's chosen to use his people. Because what happens is when we give to the church... And we see the ministry of the church happening. And the Lord doing work. We can take pride knowing that we were part of that. But it takes all of us to do it together. He says to do it cheerfully. And I promise you. If you do it cheerfully and out of obedience. There is a rich blessing that you have never experienced before. There is more out there than we can imagine, and it doesn't matter how much you give that you're giving cheerfully. let me tell you this also, I promise you, you will never ever outgive God. His blessing and his response to our obedience is far grander than anything. His, as we might say it today, his bank account far exceeds what we. Can give. So why is it so important? Is it really that important. That we look at it. Yes we understand that God. Commanded us to do it. I want you to turn over to Malachi chapter 3. In verse 8. Malachi chapter 3. Last. Toward the back of the book there. And actually if we go to the last book. Instead of the one I'm in. Which is Micah. Turn to Malachi chapter 3 and listen to what the prophet, why am I here today? Am I here today because we're a little behind in our budget? No, not really. We are behind in our budget giving, but I'm here today because I love and I care about each of you. And listen to how Malachi wrote as a prophet of the Lord, Malachi 3 verse 8. Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you in tithes and offerings? You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, so that there may be food in my house. And test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows, then I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruit of the ground, nor will your vine in the field cast its grapes, says the Lord of hosts. All the nations will call you blessed, for you shall be a delightful lamb, says the Lord of hosts. If we don't tithe an offering then we're stealing from God. But he tells us right here that if we do, that he'll open the windows of heaven and he'll pour it out. But you notice he also said that he'll rebuke the devourer. Whatever is in your life, and I promise you, if you are not a tithe giver, there is something in your life that is sucking from somewhere that you don't know. Maybe the electricity is extra high. Maybe there's a car accident. There's always something. And you know, the eyes and the mind are blind from those that are non-believers. They don't see. They don't understand. Satan likes to try to blind us as believers, but God's word even says that if we're obedient, that he will come in and that he will supply. And whatever that is that's devouring Let me tell you a personal story. Nicole and I have been married for several years and we were living in Pineville. And I had gotten away from tithing properly the way I should, maybe hit and miss. I tried to do my best. We got a letter one day from Child Services. When Nicole had divorced, her husband did not want child support. He said, I don't want it. The judge says, I can't put that on there. Well, years had gone by. And we get a letter. It says that you are now obligated to begin paying X number of dollars in child support, which come out to be more than half of her paycheck. And it said, not only that. From this day back to the date of your divorce, you are now $20,000 in arrears of child support. We don't have an option. They began pulling. We did have to fight because originally they were taking almost all of her paycheck, which was against the law. But we fought and got it down to a meager amount that we could pay, which was definitely hurting, plus the arrears. And we began to do that. Several years later, the Lord convicted me. And I began paying my tithes and offerings. I began paying above. Just out of conviction of Holy Spirit. And about a year later. We had been paying this child support. For probably five or six years. We get a letter. Her oldest child had reached the age. That child support was no longer due. And it said. The arrears amount. Is considered painful. You no longer owe anything. There was a devourer that come into our life. And yes, I believe it was partially due to that. But when I become obedient to God, he could remove that. Will it always happen just that way for you? No. Sometimes you may not even know that it happens. But I promise you, if you are a cheerful giver... And you're obedient in giving the minimum of the tithe. The Lord will bless you. He will open up heaven as we see in scripture. And the storehouse will overflow. Maybe he'll provide a raise. Those of you on your retirement. Maybe you'll get a bump in your retirement. Maybe the government for some unknown reason will decide to raise how much he's giving. I don't know how it happens. But I can testify daily to how God can supply and take care of. So why do, why do we get so nervous about the tithe? Honestly, I mean, because we do. Because sometimes we don't have the mindset that it's all God's. And he only wants to Why talk about it? Why bring it up? Because as your pastor, I love you. And I want you to be blessed. And I can only tell you what God's word says. Don't do it. You're robbing from him. Do it and he'll bless you. Do you want to be blessed? Or do you want to be known as one who robs God? I don't find it coincidence that we read this about robbing from God in Malachi chapter 3. Malachi ends chapter 4, the end of the Old Testament. And they had 400 years of silence where God didn't speak. And here he is talking about them robbing from God. Where is your life? I don't know. I can honestly tell you as your pastor, I don't know what anyone in this room other than myself and my wife gives. I have purposely done that as your pastor because it's not for me to know how much you give. It's for me to teach you and to equip you to give. But that's between you and God and your heart. And I don't want it to ever be said that pastor treats such and such such different than he treats the other because they give more money. I don't know. As far as I'm concerned, y'all give the same thing. But you know, you know, if you're a tither or a non tither, it's a responsibility as it says here, it's a request, excuse me. It's a requirement, not a request in your heart. Answer this question, honestly, even though you know where it's going, do you want to live a life that is blessed by God? Here's the beginning. Tithe. Would you bow your heads for just a moment? We can approach it as a pastor and be somewhat nervous about preaching about tithing. Just because we know it makes people uncomfortable. But I think today I was able to come up here not as nervous, understanding the blessing that I'm speaking about. The joy that comes with being obedient to God. And that I want each of you to experience that love and that blessing. Where are you today? Are you a tither? Do you give tithes and offerings on a regular basis to your church? You know, I know I had some that used to tell me, friends of mine, you know, if I go to church, I'm going to throw in $100, I'll give $5, I'm going to put something in when I'm there. That's not being a tither. A tither is you give your 10%, whatever that may be, or whatever the Lord puts on your heart. But you give it to your church and you give it regularly of the first of your income. As Miss Madeline just softly plays in the background, just right where you are, I'm just going to have you...